Well, good afternoon. I will try and get y'all out as quick as possible before the snowfall ensues. I know how it is with cold. I'm really tiny, so I get cold real easy, so I don't like it. Um, as you can see, Pastor Eric isn't here. Pastor Eric and Heather are out. Uh, he's preaching at a conference um, somewhere on the other side of Texas. That's all that matters. Um, just bringing the gospel to heaven's doorstep. Uh, and so they're out, and, um, and they should be back on Sunday. So um, say a prayer for them while they're out gallivanting in, uh, in what part of Texas? Kerrville, that's right. Don't know where that's at, but it's not over here. So um, I am uh, Jeremiah. I'm the young adults pastor and whatever else pastor I guess they need me to be. So um, I'm going to speak tonight and uh, about some, some fun things, and uh, hopefully you'll learn something. So let me pray real quick, and we'll dive into it. Um, Father God, I thank you right now um, that you use me and you empower me to speak the word that you gave me to speak, Father. I thank you that the congregation here is receptive to receive uh, what you want them to hear, Father. I thank you that it's uh, not by my might, but it's by your spirit, Father. I thank you um, that you're going to flow out of my spirit and out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth is going to speak just the greatness of you, Father, tonight. So uh, let them receive. And Father God, I just ask you specifically to be with the New Orleans Saints. They're uh, not in the playoffs um, they're probably hunting, they're probably fishing, probably playing board games. Just let them win something, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm a real fan. They're really bad, but you got to pray with them all the way through. So, um, you know, here's to not being four and a hundred next season. So, um, tonight, uh, I've titled my sermon, Back to the Future. Um, and it's, uh, I made it up myself, um, I don't think anybody's ever said that before, so I'm a trademark it. Um, I was reading recently in the news that in the Back to the Future, I believe it was one, two, or three, where they actually went to the future, um, where they used the year 2015 as the future. And so all these different news channels um, made this big deal about it at the beginning of the year, and they were talking about, is it true on what they said 2015 was like? And so they put up pictures from the movie, and we all remember the Jaws scene where... Jaws 14 came out, and the big old fake animatronic or whatever it was, CGI Jaws comes out and eats him. And um, we still don't have hoverboards. We still don't have flying cars yet. I did read that Nike did say that by the end of the year they should have uh, already tied shoes or whatever they're called, um, but they're working on it now. So um, that gets me excited about the year. I don't know. <laughs> what you're holding on to, but that should be the goal, uh, to get a pair of those shoes. So it got me thinking about Back to the Future, and it's a movie that's set up to where they go back in the past and try and correct things and enjoy things, but they keep messing it up, and so then they come back to right now, present time, and that's all messed up. Then they have to go to the future to try and correct what they did in the past, so that way the present will be fixed, um, but they mess up the future, so then they go back to the present, the present's messed up, and over and over again, we see this, this amazing conundrum, and then Michael J. Fox wins the girl and the amazing truck at the end of the show. Um, and so it got me thinking, perfect time for New Year's. The scripture that I'll be focusing on today is Philippians 3, 13, and 14. And the thing is, we're constantly trying to remember how to overcome what we've messed up in the past. We're constantly remembering our failures, our insecurities, our struggles in the past. We're trying to fix them right now in the present, so that way it'll propel us to a better future. 
Over and over again, we're constantly thinking, well, I messed that up, so I don't want to do that, so I've got to correct the course now, so that way when it comes up again, I won't have to endure the same issue over and over again. And we kind of see the writer of Philippians, which is the Apostle Paul, explaining how we can correct that. And this is where we'll reside today, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brethren, I count it not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. The Apostle Paul is saying, I haven't figured everything out. I've done pretty good, wrote a couple books, succeeded a, a couple things. He says, I don't have everything figured out, but there's one thing that I do know for sure, and it's this right here. Forgetting what is behind, reaching for what's ahead, and verse 14, pressing toward this amazing mark, this prize of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to focus on three of the main statements, forgetting, reaching, and pressing. We'll start off with forgetting, forgetting those things which are behind. In the Greek, the word forgetting means to forget. Who would have thought? No longer caring for, but this is the definition that I really like. Giving over into oblivion. Giving over into oblivion. It seems to be something hard in our lives to forget. I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. And we go through these struggles in our lives over and over again of how we're constantly trying to forget the past. I want to forget that relationship. I want to forget that marriage. I want to forget those kids. I want to forget that bank account, that job. The struggles, insecurities that we've dealt with. But somehow they just keep popping up over and over again. Over and over again, I keep remembering these things. But Paul says, forget what's behind. Thanks, Paul. You're a true friend. You really explain it. You really, you really sold me on that. Just forget, right, Paul? That's all we got to do? Forget what's behind. All right, we're done. Forgot about all the bad things. Here we go, moving forward. I see something interesting in Psalms 103. I was reading it earlier. I didn't put it on there because I'm going to read a little bit, Alex. Uh, not Psalms 130, there it is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy disease, who redeems thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins. For as, high as, the, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our tr transgressions from us. Seems like God and Jesus, Holy Spirit, heaven, they're in the forgetting business. They understand how to do it. As far as the east is from the west, I, I remember your sins no more. But it's interesting that in the beginning parts he says, but don't forget my benefits. I find it interesting that, man, it would be so easy if there was a button I could press just to forget everything in the past. But there's some things in the past that aren't worth forgetting. There's some things that God did that changed my life forever that I, I go back to on a regular basis. But what I want to focus on is how can I forget those issues that I constantly keep dealing with 
those stupid little sins that I, I can't get over, or the, the little things that are happening. Yes, God's grace is sufficient, but man, I'm still a screw-up. God is good, and he loves me. Yeah. Why can't I be good to my wife all the time? I mean, yeah. I'm pretty good to her, so that's one thing. But I'm not always good to her. I want to forget the times that, that I made her cry. I want to forget those times. How do we do that? How do we forget what's behind? In Proverbs 24, 16, it says, For a just man falls seven times, and he rises again. It doesn't matter what happens. We have to keep going. We have to keep moving. Forgetting about those issues and remembering that God's grace is sufficient, that his strength, it says, where, he, where I am made weak, he is made strong. So no matter what I'm going through, no matter what the issues are, I can forget about those tiny things in my life that are just so frustrating because I know over and over again he's going to be made strong in my life. We see in James 4.14 that you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What will your life be? For you are like smoke that appears for a little while then vanishes. It's so frustrating to see people over and over again that are almost chained to their past and they never get to the proper future that God has for them because they're so stuck on the mess-ups and the screw-ups that happened in the past. We're here for a short time. There's a purpose and a plan that God has for us. What are we going to do? Are we just going to stay in the past and keep over and over again rehashing what my mommy did to me, what my daddy did to me, what this guy did to me, what that kid in high school said to me, what that girl did to me? We've got to learn to just forget them. And I love that the word in the Greek, that phrase over and over again, given over into oblivion, not even remembering that it ever happened, just letting it go, just leaving it right where it's at. It might have been painful, it might have been hurtful, but we're only here for a short time. And what's holding you back in your future, what's holding you back in your past could be something that could propel you into your future. See, when I was younger, I was homeschooled. That explains a lot about me. When I was younger, we went and did these homeschool things, because that's what you do when you're homeschooled. You know, I remember one time, we got to go to a spelling bee. I'm pretty sure it's the entrance to the portal of hell because it was terrifying. <laughs> I was young. And my brother was really smart, and I think he ended up like winning the whole spelling bee. I mean, he's a pharmacist now in New York City, and he's the best, and he's better than me. And, but he's good. I love him. Letting go of the past, you know? And so I was like in fifth or sixth grade. We have to go and do this spelling bee. There's literally three of us. Three of us in the sixth, fifth grade, whatever it was. So we go into this small room in this church, and there's the lady with the book, the dictionary, me and the two kids, and my mom and their two moms. And I'm terrified. I hate being in front of people. I'm, I'm just a little kid freaking out. So I'm standing up there at the front, you know, just about to wet my pants probably, about to throw up, just whatever's about to happen. I'm looking, I'm just staring at my mom. Like, one, I'll never forgive you for this. And two, please take me. Three, Jesus, come now. Um, anything that will help me. So the lady starts. She says, okay, we're going to have the spelling bee. I'm going to give you a word. You spell it. I'll tell you if it's correct or not. Simple. I'm not even listening to her. I'm dying here. She says, you, young sir, are going to go first. Even better. Thank you, Lord. You're the best. Really answering my prayer right now. So she says, your first word is case. I look at my mom, and this white panic comes over my face. I said, Case. 
C-A-S-S, -S. case. And I see my mom, as she's no longer smiling, <laughs> and the lady says, no, that's not correct. I'm pretty sure it's correct. And I walk to sit by my mom, and I'm relieved that I'm not in front of people anymore. I'm terrified. But the amazing thing is that God is good, and I still got a third place ribbon, because that's what homeschoolers do. They give out ribbons when there's only three of us, and I'm the only one that spelled the word wrong. As I grew older, my mom thought, hey, you're still homeschooled, so you still do homeschooled events. And so homeschooled events mean you memorize portions of scripture, and you go up on stage, and you recite the scripture without the Bible or the little thing screen up there to read it. And uh, as, you, as I got older, I got more and more terrified. I hated being in front of people. Hated it. I was terrified of doing it. Mom would be like, all right, we're going to learn all of Genesis, and you're going to do it in front of the homeschool group. One time the mayor was there. I mean, it was terrible. She shook my hand afterwards, took a picture with her, I think. As I grew older, I went to high school, took speech class. Man, I'm just really, really love torturing myself, getting up in front of the class, doing speeches. I go to college, have to take another speech class, criminal justice major. Don't need a speech class. Why is, it, why is it in there? Why do you say I need it? Take a speech class. Find out I'm supposed to go to Bible school. Go to Bible school. All right. I'll go hang out in back row, hang out with God. God says you're called to be a minister. Nah. Nope, not me. You're supposed to get up in front of people and talk. Something that I hated so much when I was younger that to this day I still get nervous, embarrassed, um, throw up, want to wet myself. I mean, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of terrifying feelings that, that go in to stand up here. Um, but God is good. His grace is sufficient. And something that hindered me so much in my past that if I would have totally just let take over my life would have never propelled me to where I am right now to be able to stand up in front of y'all and speak in a semi-legible way of you understanding what I'm saying, forgetting what's in the past. What is in your life that today, this year, you can let go of, that you've been dealing with, that you've been struggling with? Because you never know by letting go of that what amazing things can happen and how it can totally transform your life and bring you to places that you never would have thought you would be. I never would have imagined in a billion years that they'd hand me a microphone and I could stand up here two times on Sunday, one time on Wednesday, and do all these different things. God is good. By letting go of one thing, it's totally changed my life into what my future. The next thing we have is reaching. Reaching. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. In the Greek, reaching means to stretch out towards, to stretch oneself forward. And the idea of this reaching is reaching for this future that you want to grasp, that you want to have. What has God told you? What has God said to you? What are the plans that God has for you and your family, your wife, your husband, your kids, your mom, your dad, your own personal life? We're reaching. What does reaching look like in a spiritual sense? Simple. It's the word faith. It's what we do on a daily basis as we as Christians. There's this in-between gap of what I can do and what God has to do. 
There's this in-between gap of, of, well, I'm just walking. It says that the righteous steps are ordered by the Lord. So that means I have to be walking, and then God is going to order my steps. But there's this like in-between gap of trying to figure out, well, how's that going to work? I'm doing all this. I'm doing all this. I'm doing all this. I'm waiting. I'm trusting. I'm trusting. I'm trusting. The gap is filled by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's reaching. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That's reaching. It's trying to obtain something that, that you don't know how to obtain. It's trying to reach out to something that, that you don't know how to grasp. We've all heard or seen it before where the pastor always says, all right, I want you to raise your hand, and everybody raises their hand. And he says, no, I want you to raise your hand some more. And then everybody grows like an inch on their hand and they can raise it more. No, I want you to raise your hand some more. Oh, what are the odds? I can keep raising my hand. See, we have this idea of we can only go this high. But Paul is pushing and encouraging and telling us that we need to reach for more than what we can obtain. Reach for more than what we think is what our best is. Because what the baseline, as high as you think, you can go, that's the baseline of where God wants to start to bring you. People think, if I could just succeed right here, if I could just get to this level, if I could just have this much money, if I could just have this house, if I could just be married to him or her, life would be great. God says, yeah, that would be awesome. But that's like my starting line. That's that's not where I want to bring you. I want to bring you further than that. He's calling us as a church to go out there and reach the unobtainable because he's the one that can only obtain it for us. Amen. Me loving football and watching a lot of it, there's this amazing thing that happens every once in a while in football. When the two teams are lined up, it's not a lot of time left, lined up on the one-yard line or inside the one-yard line, and you have this big, burly defense, and you have this amazing offense, and they're inches away from the goal line. Quarterback says hut, hands it off to the running back. Running back takes off running. He starts falling down. And what does the running back do? He stretches the ball as far as he can because all he has to do is get it over that line. He just has to have it just touch the plane. Just get over that line and the victory is ours. The win is ours. The celebration is ours. It's all I have to do. But the interesting thing is, the running back at that moment has to make himself completely vulnerable. When he gets the ball, he's going to put it in his chest. He's going to tuck his, both his hands over it. He's going to put his head down. And when he starts fumbling, he starts falling, and he sees that line, he's completely vulnerable at that moment. He lets everything go. He holds onto the ball, usually with one hand, and he stretches it out as far as he can. So many things can happen at that moment. He can get speared in the chest. They could knock the ball out. They could run on him. They could fall on him. He could not make it. He could make it. But then there's victory. By just stretching and reaching for what he wants so bad, he's only inches away. And he allows himself at that moment to be so vulnerable. Think of the celebration. Think of the excitement of obtaining the goals that he had reached for. Maybe they started on the other one yard line. Think of the battles that he had to go through. Think of the hits. Think of the things that he went through. And he stretches out and he obtains that thing. Reaching for what's before. God has a purpose. God has a plan for each and every one of you. And if you allow yourself to be vulnerable in front of God himself, show him 
that you are doing everything that you can and you're stretching and you're reaching and you're going all out for him. The celebration on the other side of that victory is going to be so enjoyable. It's going to change your life. You'll be able to see and say, oh my God, he loves me. God cares for me. God truly wants to see me succeed. And it starts with you reaching. It starts with you going for it. But you can't reach forward if you're still dealing with the past. If you're still struggling with issues back there. It's amazing that Paul says, I don't know everything, but I figured this one thing out. If his grace is sufficient to forgive us of everything, past, present, and future, if his grace is sufficient to empower me in my weaknesses to be made stronger, if his grace is sufficient to help me through everything that I go through, though a thousand fall on my side and ten thousand on my right hand, no evil shall befall me, then that should give you perfect freedom to start reaching in your life to obtain what God has for you. Right now, January 2015 is the perfect time to start reaching for something new in your life, to start reaching and believing that God's gonna change something in your finances, change something in your health, change something in your marriage, change something with your family. Now's the perfect time. It's the best time to start. And the last thing we'll do is press. Verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. It's very interesting with press. In Greek, it means to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing. To run swiftly to catch a person or a thing. We see over and over again throughout the scriptures that people would press toward Jesus. Passionately running and pursuing the man, Jesus, because they needed something. Over and over again, we see crowds were thronging Jesus to get what they needed. Some got it, some didn't. Everyone that was sick and came to Jesus was healed. There was tons of people in that crowd that we're all looking for something. I find it interesting that over and over again, the Pharisees always showed up in these crowds. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, these religious leaders, they always showed up in the crowd. And yes, some of them were there to tempt him. They were there to listen and hear what he had to say, try and trick him. But some of them were there to listen to him because we have in John chapter 3 a Pharisee going to see Jesus at night. Not all of them were bad. We paint the picture that they were terrible, but at least one of them was good. He wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Running swiftly toward a person or a thing. We see the woman with the issue of blood. She's dealing with it for 12 years. Spent all her money. She has nothing left. She says, but if I touch, if I touch him, I'll be healed. And she starts looking for him searching for him, passionately pursuing, running after him, trying to find him. She finally finds him. Remember, there's no Facebook. There's no phones. There's no internet. It's not out there to figure out where Jesus is. It's just going from town to town and asking, is he here? Have you seen him? He was here yesterday. That means I'm close. I just have to touch him. Hey, sir, is he here? He's not here. Are you sure? There's a lot of people here. Oh, that's a magician. Okay, not Jesus. All right. Is he here? He's here. 
in this city, I have to find him. I just have to touch him. I just have to touch him. She's dealt with something for 12 years over and over again. And all of a sudden, she says, I'm done with it. I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to pursue my healthy future. And I'm going to press toward Jesus. She finally gets to the crowd of people. And there's a crowd of people around them. And if you've been in any crowd, people aren't nice in crowds. Excuse me. And then they cuss you out. I just need to get my wife's right there. That's not your wife. That's literally my wife right there. You're too ugly for for her. I I know that's literally my wife right there. I just need just one more row up there. She starts pushing and crawling and crawling. How many people were in the crowd that were sick? How many people in the crowd were dealing with something that they needed Jesus to deal with? And she just pushed him aside. Nope, nope, no, Jesus. He loves you, but I love him more. Excuse me, excuse me. She reaches out, touches the hem of his garment, instantly healed. We see the disciples passionately pursuing, running after Jesus. Yeah, they're his boys, they're hanging out, they're having a good time. But they would have just hung out with him if he wasn't doing something that changed their lives. I have tons of friends, but they haven't really, I don't really have that many friends, let's be honest. I'm an introvert. Um, but I have people that I talk to. And they've helped me in various things in my life, but I'm not passionately pursuing them. Pastor Derek is a good friend of mine. I don't show up in the back of his car, hey, buddy, (laughs) missed you. I don't just show up at his house like, hey, man, what's going on? It's been a long time. Let's talk. Twelve minutes, I know. Not calling him and texting him over and over again. He's a great guy. He's helped me in so many things. It's not Jesus. I'm talking with Jesus on a regular basis. I'm pursuing him on a regular basis. I'm calling him, a.k.a. praying, on a regular basis. I'm, I'm talking with him. I've got to have him. I've got to pursue him more. I've got to be more with him because he changed my life. And the more he changes it, the more I want to be with him and the more I pursue him over and over again. And the more I pursue him, the more he reveals himself to me, which is why the disciples just stayed closer and closer. And they just kept going with him all the way to the mountain whenever he left. They just kept following him. And he says, well, i got to go. Where are we going, Jesus? Well, no, you're, you're staying here, remember? I told you, you just got to go to Jerusalem, wait, I'm going to send somebody. Okay. And it's like, he gets up, he flies off, and they're just standing there waiting. The disciples are literally waiting to go with Jesus. What's he doing? We're supposed to go with him. And the angels have to show up, and they say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, we're, we're going with him. What are we, we're, he's taken us everywhere for three, four years. I mean, everywhere we've, he's gone, we've been with him. Well, that's the next thing we do. We, we go up there with him. We float in the clouds. We do that thing. Peter walked on water. Why can't we fly? No, you have to stay. You have to, you have to go do some stuff. Go, 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 go. Go, boys. Over and over again, we see throughout the scriptures, people were attracted to Jesus, and they passionately pursued him. And the ones that passionately pursued him, the ones that ran after him over and over again, experienced him over and over again. Imagine if you were John. Think of all the things that John saw because he stayed so close. Over and over again, John writes in his own book that he was the best friend of Jesus. He would lay on his chest all the time. I mean, if I wrote my own book about me hanging out with Jesus, I guess I'd say the same thing. But because he stayed so close and he pursued and pressed after Jesus, he saw the most amazing things. Which is interesting is why 
our young adults group is called Press from these scriptures right here. And as the young adults pastor, there's three different things that, that I have that I want to put into our young adults. And they all involve the word press. I was walking to my mailbox one day, and I'd been thinking about these scriptures. This is one of the first things I ever even preached this, this message to our young adults. And the word press stuck out to me, and I started thinking about it. The number one goal that I want our young adults to pursue in life is to press toward Christ. And they've heard this multiple times of me saying this. I want them in their lives to passionately pursue, to run swiftly. Run swiftly. Think about running swiftly. You don't look that cool running swiftly. There's not, there's not a, a cool way to do it. I mean, there's some of them. I mean, I'm pretty sure like the Olympians can run pretty swiftly. But when you're running swiftly, I mean, your, your purpose and your goal is set on one thing. You don't have a lot of time to get distracted by the birds and the animals and the other people running. You're running swiftly, and you're focused completely on Christ. That's the first thing I want them to do. Press toward Christ. Run swiftly after him. Everything in your life, pursue him. The second thing, which involves a press, is a coffee press. And this inspires our young adults to have community within the church. Because we are a church. As we come together, we get stronger. And so I want to encourage our young adults, and obviously you, to come to church, to get involved with believers. We're about to start up small groups. Get in a small group. Be passionately pursuing other Christians, other pastors, other people that are Hear what they're saying. Hear their stories. Hear how God changed their lives. Tell them how God changed your life. Pray with them. Let them pray for you. Bless them. Let them bless you. Press after Christ. We have the coffee press. Get involved in the community of church. And the last thing we have is the printing press, where I tell everyone, tell the good news of the gospel. Hot off the press, straight off the newspapers, tell the good news to everyone you come in contact with. Because number one, when you passionately pursue Christ, your life is changed. It gets even better when you get involved in church and start hanging out with other Christians. And three, it gets you so fired up that you can't help but go out and tell other people how good it is. We're pressing toward the mark of Christ in our life. We're passionately pursuing him because there's a calling on each and every one of our lives. I don't know what yours is. I'm still trying to figure out mine. Don't put that pressure on me to figure out yours. It's taken me 28 years to halfway figure out mine, um, and I'm still working through that. But it starts with forgetting what's behind. You can't passionately pursue somebody. You can't run swiftly if you're looking behind you. You can, you'll probably hit some stuff. Running swiftly is one mind, one goal. I've got to do everything to follow Christ. He's the one with the answers. He's the one that can heal. He's the one that can restore. He's the one that can make things happen. And we're reaching for what's ahead. We're constantly going after what's ahead. We're stretching out our faith to believe that what God said in this book is for me and it will happen in my life. And we want the ultimate prize. The ultimate prize is walking into the gates of heaven and Jesus looking at you and saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. That's my goal. That's, that's what I'm running after. A close second 
it should be 1A and 1B, is having my wife right beside me. Having my one boy, I don't know how many more we'll have, we'll see if we can hang out with this one first. <laughs> having my son with me when I walk up to those gates by my side and to hear, well done, thou good and faithful land family. Enter into your gates and your party and your house. I'll leave you with this quote and then I'll shut up. Martin Luther King says this, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep moving forward. You might be sitting there and saying, I'm no Eric Holler. I'm no Eric Holler. I can't quote the whole Bible like him. I can quote some scriptures. I'm no Billy Graham. I can't sell out a stadium. I can't lead millions of people to the Lord. You could probably lead your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your kids. You could probably lead somebody to the Lord. You could probably believe for something. You know, some of these amazing pastors that are rocking and rolling, they're believing for millions and millions of dollars and crazy things. They're getting jets and they're getting blessed with all these things so they can go out and do the gospel. I don't have jet-believing faith yet, you know? I don't know if I have faith to fix my car. It's broken, but hey, I'm working up to that. I can't fly, but I can walk. I can definitely crawl. I can get some things happening. Keep moving forward. The church needs it. And if you make the decision that I will not give up, I'm going to let go of what happened. I'm going to press toward the calling that God has for me and start changing your life, start changing your family's life. Then you start showing up to church, and that starts changing the church. Then it starts changing the community, then the city, and then the state, and then the nation, and then the world. If it just starts with you, you might not be able to fly today, but you can crawl. Keep moving. Today is the perfect day to start making, I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions, I'm talking about lifelong goals, well done thou good and faithful servant, and I'm going to do that every day. I was praying this, uh, a couple days ago on what to, what to believe for this year, and God said, this year, I want you to believe to finish strong. Okay. Finish strong. Everything you do, you finish it strong. Every day, you finish it strong. Yes, sir. Every church service, you finish it strong. Every week, you finish it strong. Every month, you finish it strong. Every year, you finish it strong. Amen. I don't know how strong I finished 2014. There were some things that I wanted to accomplish that, that I didn't accomplish. Brand new year. This year, I'm going to finish strong. 2015, December 2015, I'm going to look back, and I'm going to finish strong. That's the goal for this year. That's the goal every day. Finish strong. I'm forgetting what happened yesterday. I'm pursuing today, and I'm going to press toward Jesus. And hopefully you'll join me and do that with me. Father God, I thank you for this amazing community, this amazing congregation, Father. I thank you that you're empowering them and you're blessing them, that you've called each and every one of them to something amazing, that you have a purpose, you have a plan for each and every one of them, and you want to see them succeed. And it's not too high, it's not too crazy that they can't succeed it. Father, I ask you to speak to them and reveal to them exactly in their life what they can let go. The issues, the struggles, the doubts, the insecurities that they've been holding on to. Father, I ask that you give them the strength, the power 
the grace, the love, the mercy to just let it go. Let it stay in the past and break that off of them. Father, I thank you that you're helping them to increase their faith this year, that they can believe for the impossible in their life and that this will be the year of breakthrough. This will be the year that they overcome. This will be the year that they see the amazing hand of the Lord. And Father, help us all to press after you. Father, help us all just to passionately pursue you. That if you sent your son to die for me and for them, I can literally do anything, Father. And I'll do anything for you. And I ask that you impress on each and every person here to give everything they can to serve you, to love you, and to strive to be with you. More in depth, more love, more passion. To go out and share this amazing news amazing gospel that changed our lives, that refreshed us, that healed us, that restored us, that 2015 is the beginning of an amazing race that we will finish strong. In Jesus' name, amen.